please do turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth and to chapter 1. And I shall start reading from verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem. Had trouble getting that one out, didn't I? In Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without, without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of the people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go I will go, and where you stay I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separated you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And then we go on to verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. There are perhaps two reasons why we study about people in the Bible, to learn how not to do some things like being deceitful, and we'll see that tonight with Rachel, and then how to do the right things, like this morning's example, Ruth. So this morning we are going to look together at the book of Ruth and discover who Ruth was, what is her story, and how we can learn from her 
as we seek to live a godly, righteous and obedient life in Britain in 2009. And so we will be looking at the character of Rachel tonight and see how she fits into salvation history and how we can learn lessons from her. But for now, for this morning, on with Ruth. And perhaps the key verses for the book of Ruth are what we have already read in verses 15 to 18. And they help us summarise this short story. The book of Ruth is a cameo story of love, devotion, obedience and redemption set in the black days of the judges in the nation of Israel. It tells the story of a pagan woman giving up everything to cling to the people of Israel and to the very God himself. And it shows her faithfulness even when the entire nation was being faithless. And doesn't that sound a nice, lovely, cosy story? And wouldn't it be good just to leave it at that and not to learn more about this character of Ruth? The greatest thing about Ruth that we are going to learn about this morning is her obedience. Indeed, elsewhere in scripture, it says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And the story of Ruth, as we have seen, celebrates the gentle beauty of love and loyalty between individuals, and it shows the positive power of obedience to God for both personal fulfillment and for a wider blessing. And by committing herself to Naomi, as well as to Naomi's God, Ruth found satisfaction in service. And instead of losing her identity by her voluntary and complete submission, Ruth's place in Israel and history is confirmed. And there are four things about her obedience that we, living in the 21st century, in 2009, would be wise to copy as we seek to follow this God with obedient lives that are worthy of him. And the first of our obedience factors is wow! It's surprising. It's got a wow factor to it. The harmony between Ruth and Naomi is even more appealing when we consider the two unusual facets that could have driven them apart. Firstly, Marlon, the natural connecting link between Ruth and Naomi, was dead, as we read. Nothing specific is mentioned about the way that two women got along with each other while he was alive during those years in Moab. Instead, the story begins with the development of their relationship after Marlon's death, and at the time of the women's departure for Judah. And then secondly, the second part of this wow, is that they, is that could have driven them apart, was that Ruth was from Moab. And a brief review of the history of this neighbouring nation proves that its land and its people were clearly off-limits for the Jews. The founding father, Moab, was the result of Lot's incestuous union with his older daughter. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 19. And though Moab was not on the list of nations to be entirely destroyed by the Israelites under Joshua, its worship of false gods was offensive and troublesome. And indeed in Judges chapter 3, it relates that Eglon, the king of Moab, received power from the Lord to punish Israel for 18 years. And when the people of Israel again cried out to God, the Lord raised up the judge Ehud to kill Eglon and defeat Moab 
in order to bring peace for 80 years. And the story of Ruth, as we have heard already, is placed at the time of the judges. Elimelech's decision to take his family into Moab to escape the famine in Israel probably occurred at a time when Moab was subdued, or at least not hostile towards Israel. However, God had told the Israelites not to marry into the surrounding nations or join in their worship of false gods and idolatry and idolatrous behavior. And the fact that Naomi's sons chose Moabite women shows that they ignored this instruction. They were disobedient. It also indicates the attraction of foreign influences to the Israelites, which God wanted them to stay away from. But we also see mercy, God's causative mercy, in grafting, grafting into his line of blessing, one Moabitess, Ruth, because of her faith and obedience to him. And Naomi had these two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. In view of their position as Moabite widows, it may seem that Orpah's decision to return to her own mother's house was more natural than Ruth's when Naomi announced her determination to go back to Bethlehem in Judah. We could even argue that Orpah, after politely offering to accompany Naomi, was acting in accordance with her mother-in-law's wishes by remaining in Moab with her own people. Ruth, on the other hand, clung to Naomi and refused to leave her. But Orpah's obedience was shallow, as her offer to go with Naomi was done out of duty and not out of love, devotion, and Naomi probably saw this and declined Orpah's offer. Ruth, however, remained to finish her story and claimed a place in the genealogy of David also that of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. So that's a wow in obedience. And now we have a witness in obedience. Ruth did more than merely remain with Naomi. She was in fact her main support, both during their journey and after arriving in Israel, even though she was a stranger in Bethlehem. News of her faithfulness obviously spread as quickly as it went before her into the fields of Boaz. When she asked why as a woman not from Israel was being treated so kindly, Boaz replied it was because of her support and friendship of Naomi. And you can see that in Ruth chapter 2 verse 11. Though directly attracted by her outward beauty and manner, Boaz was already aware of her reputation for loyal love, obedience and service. And we see this when Boaz tells her in Ruth chapter 3 verse 11, All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. And here we see the powerful testimony and witness of Ruth's relationship with Naomi. Her unselfish devotion to one person, characterized by her obedience, made her appealing to another person and to a whole community. However, Ruth did not abuse or flaunt her obedience as long-suffering, but held it in her heart as love and adoration. She was not looking for praise or for pity, and she seemed genuinely surprised that her service of Naomi had been seen and recognized. Not once did she complain about the leadership of Naomi or her own circumstances. Instead of bitterness, there was beauty in her attitude as well as on her face. 
Ruth found her obedience fulfilling. Her immediate and ultimate rewards far outweighed anything she could have anticipated. Her obedience was a wow surprise, but it was also a testimonial witness that had gone out before her. And then we have the wholeness of her obedience. And just how did Ruth's obedience come to have such a tremendous impact on those around her? It all started with a personal commitment, a permanent decision that brought her peace and provided her with direction for all that time that followed. On the border of Moab, Ruth had told Naomi of her commitment. As we read earlier, Ruth's commitment was absolute. It was whole and entire. And rather than constraining her, this new commitment gave her new purpose and opportunity to develop her character. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, Ruth volunteered to pick up the leftover grain. When she returned to Naomi, Ruth shared her grain with Naomi and told her about her day. Then, then it was Naomi who sensed God's direction and gave Ruth detailed instructions as to how to approach Boaz, which Ruth obeyed perfectly. And in Ruth 4 verse 17, this indicates that after Ruth's future and family were secure, Naomi was included in the household redeemed by Boaz, for when the neighbours noticed how much she cared for Obed, they said, Naomi has a son. Truly the deepest love, trust and respect were at the centre of Ruth's and Naomi's relationship, bringing both of them a mutual fulfilment. And as Ruth obeyed Naomi, so she obeyed Boaz, both at their first meeting and later at the threshing floor. She won both the admiration of Naomi and Boaz as much by the quickness of her unquestioning responses as by her completeness in carrying out commands. Ruth won respect because she offered her respect in the form of obedience. Her obedience was total and complete, not through coercion, but through love and adoration. So there's the wow factor, the witness factor, the wholeness factor, and then finally, the worship factor. Finally, Ruth's obedience was also worship. How is this so? The result of Ruth's obedience was Obed, the child fathered by Boaz, as kinsman redeemer, the one who would inher inherit the family land and name in place of Naomi's dead husband and sons. Obed in Hebrew means worship. And is not obedience really the outward action that derives from the inner response of faith, love and trust practiced in regard to individuals and God? Jesus in John 14 verse 15 said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Ruth's acts of obedience throughout this her story, are also practical acts of worship of the God she had made her own by faith. So Ruth's obedience has four factors to it. The wow factor, the witness factor, the wholeness factor, and finally, as we have seen, it also had a worship factor. And how do we conclude? In the light of this, we must Evaluate our obedience towards those in positions of authority over us. 
Is it freely offered? Is it like Ruth's and to the maximum possible? Was it like Orpah and minimized? If we're afraid to yield in obedience to another person, we can draw comfort and confidence from the Lord himself, knowing that he can be fully trusted in all things to work for the good of those who love him, who are being called according to his purpose. And realizing that it is God who controls every aspect of our lives, are we not safe in his hands? in the hands of those whom by the sovereign will we are directed to obey. But let's be honest here, some people are easier to obey than others, either because of their personality or our own personality. We are not always free to choose whom and when we are to obey. Perhaps the situation is difficult, one in which submission is demanded when trust is not yet established. Instead of dwelling on the shortcomings of the people in authority, we should submit to God's perfect love, faithfulness and trust. And we should remember that Jesus did not hold himself above obedience, but gave his life as a symbol of obedience to God the Father. As Jesus did, as Ruth did, let us ask God to work in us, changing our weak attempts at obedience into acts of divine worship. We find delight in serving the Lord, instead of indulging in resentment over sinful leaders. The result will be inner freedom and release from bitterness, and also a powerful story to those in authority and to onlookers as well. Just as Ruth's obedience towards Naomi moved Boaz and all Bethlehem, the Holy Spirit will enable us to move others as well. And while we obey others, we can joyfully remember that it is God alone who is worthy of complete obedience. When our confidence in him is reflected in our submission to others, we become living stones, or living stories, to our trust in God's perfect plan. And if we follow the example of Ruth, perhaps someone will notice our stories and find the witness, the wholeness, the wow and the worship in our lives of obedience, and praise God because of us or indeed return and come to God because of us. And remember this from 1 Samuel 15 verse 22. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So go from here and be obedient to our awesome and holy God, through obedience to him as revealed in scripture, you'll be growing and changing into the very likeness of Jesus Christ whom you follow. Through obedience you'll be able to endure and be persistent in your Christian lifestyle and evangelism. So much so that people will ask you for the reason, for the hope that you have and portray. Let your obedience to God have a wow factor. Let it have a witness factor. Let it have a wholeness factor. And then finally, let your obedience to God be in acts of worship. You may well be here tonight, but you are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. If that is indeed you, please, please, do not leave here today without making yourself known to one of the leaders or to me and we will gladly talk more about this Jesus to you 
and answer your questions. Thank you.